0: thank you all for tuning in to the Convos with Anita Santiago podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can reach out to me at convoscws at gmail.com. That's convoscws at gmail.com. Got a special treat for you today. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about African American genealogy and family stories. I am joined today by Mr. David Mingo, amateur historian and storyteller, who will be sharing his thoughts on these topics and, and why they're important. As always, links to my guest speakers can be found on the website at lifeconvos.com and just go to the tab that says Guests. Hello and welcome to the show, David.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Good to be here. Awesome. Good to be here.
0: Now, what I like to do for the listeners on these episodes is give them a little background about my guest speaker. So I'm just going to read a little excerpts from your bio so the listeners can really get a sense of who you are. So David developed an interest in African-American history at a very young age. This interest started with rich stories passed down from elders explaining how his family was instrumental in shaping their local community. He continued to sharpen his genealogy and research skills to learn more about his family. Eventually, his interest grew to include the contributions of African Americans in all areas of military service. He shares his passion for African American history through storytelling, acting, and other community focused events. David helps others understand the importance of studying African-American history and sharing those stories. Now, here's, here's where it gets really interesting. David served over 20 years in the United States Army, receiving numerous medals, awards, accolades for his accomplishments. His military career focused on designing complex IT systems to meet Army organizational needs and increase network operational efficiency. That sounds really important to me. He routinely managed large scale million dollar projects involving business architecture design, including network security. The most successful project of his army career was the successful consolidation of 70 legacy information technology systems which improved self-service access to military personnel. They were able to access their digital records through this effort. That project touched 1.3 million soldiers. David currently holds three certificates from the National Defense University, Chief Information Officer, CIO Diploma, Information Assurance and Critical Infrastructure, Protection Certificate, and Advanced Management Program Diploma. David Hills from Queens, New York, but currently resides in Columbia, South Carolina. He is an avid reader, enjoying both fiction and nonfiction selections, His other hobbies include sports, music, working out, and spending time with his four children. David is an alum of McKendree University, where he received his Bachelor's of Arts degree in Business Administration and a Master's of Arts in Gerontology from Lindenwood University. In his spare time, David shares his expertise and corporate skills through volunteer and mentoring opportunities. Again, David, you are phenomenal, and I'm so excited to have you on this show.
1: Man, uh, that really does sound like it is something.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just reading the facts, just reading the facts. So wow. tell, tell the listeners what got you originally interested in African American history.
1: Uh, I have to admit, um, I started out uh, uh, just listening to family stories. <laughs> Uh, I didn't believe the stories that were being told in my family. and I really set out the proof to prove the stories to be a lie. That's the honest and goodness truth. That's how it happened.
0: Well, that's, that but, sounds uh, like a great way to start.
1: <laughs> lo and behold, uh, to my surprise, there was way more truth to the stories than I could ever have imagined.
0: Wow that sounds really interesting Um, Not everyone has the benefit Of hearing stories Passed down through their families So the fact that you were able to get Stories that you could look into Is pretty interesting Um, What was the most What what is the story That stuck out to you the most In in your family
1: Uh, You couldn't get a family Meeting or Reunion both together without some discussion coming up about land and uh, who took what from whom and who had what. In rural Kershaw County, South Carolina, shortly after the Civil War, we had, we being uh, the Brown descendants, uh, which are my mother's people, uh, had 500 acres of land and rural South Carolina, and I'm like, I'm Lord, that does not happen. It could not, have, it did not happen. Mm. Well, lo and behold, it was not 500 acres that I could, it was 269, I think it was, and it wasn't right after the Civil War, but it was around the turn of the century, around the early 1900s. Um, and, uh from what I can figure, or oh, from what I've figured, uh, it was bought for like $10. How does that happen? Wow. I guess I'll have to find out because I certainly don't know. Neither does anybody else.
0: Wow. That's pretty, that's, that's incredible. 200, you said 236 acres? Two,
1: 269. and sixty-nine. Sixty-nine. Wow. 269.
0: And so where are you at in that process of, of looking into the facts behind this land that your family had?
1: Oh, that's, that's, uh, verified, documented. Um, I definitely know, well, I have court documents, uh, where my, um, Mm -hmm. great-grandmother. What would that mean? Yeah, great-grandmother. Went down to the courthouse and actually uh, had a lawyer uh, that she worked with, and uh, she signed documents. 269 acres worth of dirt. Wow. And, yeah, yeah. So that knocked me off my feet. And then um, in order for me to, I know you have some other questions, so let me not get ahead of myself. <laughs> I'll stop talking right now. Well, can you know,
0: in? you know, history is so interesting. Like I can think back being in high school, just really not interested in history at all. Like not wanting to, um, just, just not having an interest in history at all. And then as I got older and I learned more, it it did start to get interesting. And I thought to myself, you know, there's so much that we don't know. And when we read stories um, in the news or we read books and we uncover different things that we learn, not only about our culture, but other cultures, it's just really fascinating. So I've, I've really learned to appreciate history a lot more. I've tried to do some family research, but I got to be honest with you. I didn't really get too far and I got frustrated. So can you just take the listeners through like how this process of getting into historical research started for you?
1: Oh, absolutely. One of the first things uh, that you have to realize is uh, you've got to be able to identify who the players were during the time period. Uh, that you're actually looking into. Um, Typically, you know, your family history, your family tree, is the source for that. So, you've got a grandmother or a grandfather or uh, great-aunt, great-uncle, or if you can go back even further than that that you know of and know where they live, that gives you a start. and talking to relatives in a depth about who uh, who who they are descended from, uh, you can build a list of names, and you only have to go back seventy years. So, uh, for instance, I'm sixty-four mm-hmm. uh, here in the next census, I believe. My birth will be recorded, uh, will be released, not my birth, but where I live Mm -hmm. when I was born will be released uh, in 70 years. So, me as a grandfather, um, I'm here and I can touch my grandchildren and put information into them. So, that's a wonderful place to start—is with brands, great friends, great aunts, great uncles, just to get some sort of an understanding as to who your family actually is.
0: Okay, can Once you, you can? Identify... Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but can you can you explain that seventy-year piece uh, one more time? That that was really something I've never heard before, and it sounds very very interesting.
1: Um. That the that the newest census record that will be released is going to be 70 years old.
0: Okay, I got you. When gotcha. they release it. Okay.
1: So, um, if you know somebody who's in their 80s, you can find them on a census document wherever they say that they're from. Um, Or wherever they say that they were born at that particular time. Mm -hmm. Or where they were living at that particular time. Okay. Uh, You'll be able to find them. Once you find them, they'll be children. But their head of households, uh, typically a man and a woman, uh, will be listed on that document. And that takes you back another generation. Okay, So... By identifying someone that's in their 80s you get access to who that person was living with father and mother and then or male male care provider or female care provider and from that you can use those names to actually search the area And when I say the area, you know, I'll just be specific. If you're in St. Louis County, Mm -hmm. people didn't move around a whole lot back in the day. A hundred years ago, 70 years ago. So folks grew up in communities Mm -hmm. uh, and they stayed pretty close to home. So you'll be able to get an accurate list of Grandparents, great-grandparents, and potentially great-great-grandparents. And, um, it's very rewarding when you can trace your maternal and your paternal lineage uh, back as far as you possibly can. And for me, um, that was the 1870 census, okay. which is the first census that uh, African... People of African descent were actually listed uh, as heads of household throughout the United States,
0: and and that sounds like a really great approach because I know you know I I went through obituaries and I was trying to write stuff down and um oh, that's, cross that's wonderful too cross check and 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 but you know spellings of names changed and different things happening so. It was a little frustrating, but I like what you said about how the census will take you back generations. And that could be a good starting point because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that are doing research and they have a lot of information about their families. But for those people who may not have started or just thinking about it, using the census in that way is really, really a, a great strategy. So you said, you know, you started this research into your own family about when, when you heard these stories and you wanted to prove them wrong. So how long exactly have you been doing this amateur genealogy, historical type of research?
1: Oh my goodness. Well, of course, the stories uh, have been a part of my life since childhood. My earliest memories are these discussions about land in South Carolina so uh, when I got old enough which was you know could afford to do it uh, I was in my uh, probably late 20s early 30s oh mm-hmm. um, well, yeah I was married at the time when mm-hmm. I did that, so it was in my 30s okay um, uh, I ended up uh, Having an opportunity to go to the genealogical research institute, Mormon genealogical research institute in Salt Lake City, Okay. Uh, Utah, uh, in the nineties. So, you know what is that? However long ago that is? Somebody did long that.
0: time, <laughs> yeah. a long time ago. So you said you, so, yeah. So you started at the, the Mormon, 90s. okay? You said you. Um, <laughs> Tongue tied here.
1: Mormon. Yes. Mormon Genealogical Research Institute. That's what it used to be called. Okay. In uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. In the 90s. But in the 90s. But, you know, that's long before the internet. It was really the only place in the nation that I knew of where you could go and sit in one building and go from one record to another record to another record to another record without having to travel from state to state to state.
0: So, how did that work? W- so, how did that work with no internet? Were you just, were you actually, you actually had to write stuff I, down?
1: I had, uh, I don't even know what the kind of paper is called now. Not I that I can probably even find it but it was uh, uh, basically um, a big sheet of almost cardboard uh, paper. and mm-hmm. I got busy with the ruler and circles and squares to represent men and women and mm-hmm. um, created some kind of legend uh, uh, or uh, maybe I found a legend,
2: uh, mm-hmm.
1: you know, to annotate uh, who was married and Uh, When somebody died and when they were born, and started filling out the chart, basically. And I started with the 1870 census on my paternal side, the 1870 census on my maternal side. But the key is, I knew who the players were.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I knew who the players were because of the stories. Okay. So, like I discussed the story on my maternal side, Well, the story on my paternal side Mm -hmm. was Noah Jones Mingo and his two brothers. There were three of them. There was Noah Jones Mingo, there was Ellison, and there was January Mm -hmm. uh, Mingo. Uh, The story is that uh, January killed a white man and ended up uh, uh, running uh, well. In South Carolina Going to Florida
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and, uh, You know So I had Quite a bit of stuff To work with okay. On both sides Of, of my family Name wise And mm-hmm. once I began To Plug the names Into the charts And looked at the census I could see Who had What Child And Who I was Descended from Quickly became A parent Both maternal and paternal Um, So that didn't take long To actually figure out But One of the things is You work it so I'll speak for me You work it so far You work it so hard You put it down for a while Sometimes quite a while And then you have questions about it And you pick it back up again Mm -hmm. And you decide to go in a different direction And look at something else To find out something else Okay. To see if what is all if? of
2: that.
0: Okay. Yes. So, in your research, um, that seems to have led you into the intersection of um, African American history and American history. And what I mean by that is that um, African Americans have played a large role in the history of building this country. And we all know that. But one of the interesting things I learned from your work is how far back African-American participation in the military defense of this country goes. It goes way back past um, the familiar wars that we're used to or that we hear about in school. And so the fact that African-Americans are part of this larger story and that our history is more than slavery is something that you've brought to light for me. And I'm, I'm just wondering if you can illuminate that for our listeners, because I, I know that people are very familiar with the Korean War and the Vietnam War and the Revolutionary War. But there were some conflicts and issues going on way, way back when that African-Americans were involved in, and, and we don't hear that story. So can you maybe touch on one example of that?
1: Um, actually, I'll start with the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. Um, there were African-Americans involved with the British um, who enlisted with the British uh, and into what we call Ebony Regiments. Mm. Um I think his name is Cornwallis, if, uh, I may be mistaken about the name. Mm-hmm. But what this guy ended up doing was he ended up saying that, uh, hey, if uh, you want to help the British out, well, come on over here and we'll give you your freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so slaves ended up joining with the British, uh, basically uh, to fight the colonists. Uh, because they would be free. Uh, And the the foundation of America is based on free labor. Mm -hmm. If the labor wasn't free, then the riches would not have been able to accumulate because there was no way to harvest the forest, no way to plant the crops and harvest the crops unless you had a labor force mm-hmm. that uh, could manage that force. Right, force. right. So you could go back to the Revolutionary War, uh, and there's, there's, there's uh, African descendants, uh, descendants of Africans um, in that war, and every conflict from then until now. Uh, the famous one is Teddy Roosevelt and his Rough Riders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Teddy and his boys, the Rough Riders, did not ride up San Juan Hill uh, um, into blazing guns like how history has the picture painted.
0: Okay, break um, it down for us. <laughs> uh,
1: Teddy Roosevelt uh, was after came up. After the hill was taken mm. uh, by, uh, I want to say the 9th or the 10th uh, Cavalry, I'm not sure which one. Mm-hmm. But those were African American men uh, that actually took the hill, and Teddy rode up with his boys for a photo op. And that's how history has it.
0: <laughs> wow, Just
1: it, the he rewrote the narrative but mm. well, the narrative was rewrote rewritten however it was rewritten but it right. definitely didn't happen that way
0: well those narratives get rewritten a lot um, it seems like in history and I know for me as far as um, understanding that African Americans have participated in, in military activity in the country um, all I all I basically knew was the Buffalo Soldiers and then the segregated um, sections of the military. And I really didn't have a good handle on that because it's not like they teach it to us in school. And unless you're very motivated to go out and learn it yourself, um, you might get bits and pieces of it here and there. And then it's not as accurate. Like you just said, a narrative was changed I'm sure if I sat down and you know read on a couple of things, I would understand. Okay, well, this is how it factually happened, and this is you know how it's kind of reported. But I think that's important to note that we have to have the motivation and the interest and the um, focus to really sit down and and learn as much as we can about particular um, conflict or um, thing that we're interested in when it comes to african-american history so here we are we're african-americans we've been doing things in this country since since we can remember and many of us are really interested in starting that process of of looking into our families so you gave one resource which was the census records that we can use but i'm wondering if you can share with our listeners what are some other good resources for people who are just starting out in the research process um what, what do you think is could be helpful for somebody that's brand new at doing this?
1: The most important thing that I would say is to make sure that you talk to somebody older than yourself mm-hmm. or somebody that knows a little bit more than you do about your family's history. Mm-hmm. I can't overemphasize the importance of the story. If it wasn't for the stories that I've heard In my life, I definitely wouldn't be, research-wise, where I am now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, number one, the stories. Let's say you don't have a story. Okay. Number two, the older folks around you, your aunties, your uncles, your cousins, your grandparents, your great-grandparents. Okay, so let's say you don't have that. Work with the information you have, your mother, your father, and see if you can get from them where they were born, and you can start right there. You find your mother in a county in, 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 uh, in, uh, St. Louis, uh, I'm sorry, if you find your mother in a county in Missouri, um, chances are the people from around that area are your relatives. Mm -hmm. Um, so don't think that you don't have a way or a place to start because chances are you do it may take you a little while to actually figure it out may take you a little while to actually play around with a few things uh to see if they actually make sense uh but once you realize that what you've come up with has passed the common sense test, and um, it makes sense, then uh, present it to some folks. Let some folks know what you found out in your family. And you'll be surprised at the things that that might spark or the things that somebody might say, oh, man, come on now. No, nah, <laughs> they, they weren't from there. They were from here. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that before, bruh.
2: So, uh-huh.
1: folks, Oh, so now you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great advice. Don't tell yourself short.
0: That. Yeah, that's really great advice. And I, I think that, you know, fam, people should be encouraged to talk to people in their families and not discouraged because like you said, so much rich information can be obtained just from conversations, just from sitting down and talking to people. I'm really curious to know, though, what are your thoughts about um, ancestry.com um, and other sites that do DNA testing. Do you think that's helpful? Do you think that's a good place to start? Just just give us the tea on that.
1: <laughs> I, I can tell you my thought. Okay. Um, my DNA by being in the military is all over everywhere so <laughs> uh, it's, it really has no bearing on me whether or not I decide to Uh, joy the ancestry and give them a DNA swab. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that, you know, there's some stuff that DNA can be used for down the road. And I'm certain that people are planning the usage of all of that DNA data Mm -hmm. as we sit here and talk about this. Mm -hmm. So what is that? I don't know. Um, Should you be mindful of it? Yes, you should. In the sense that you should be as smart about it as you could possibly get Mm -hmm. before you decide to spread your DNA over anywhere. Okay. Um, So, do your research. Make yourself comfortable. Find out what they're currently doing with it. Find out what they're not doing with it. Find out how you can do what makes you comfortable. Um, If you're not comfortable, then don't do the swap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I and think, government
0: so, yeah, yeah. And you know, sometimes, um, people use those sites just to get a glimpse of who they are first, before they even mm-hmm. start their family research. So I just want
2: to,
0: I just want to thank you tremendously for coming on to the show and, and talking to the listeners. You really explained how important it is for us to dig in and learn more about our families. And something that really resonated with me um, is, is this concept of knowing more about your family helps you understand more about yourself. And I think you kind of alluded to that in some of the comments that you made early on. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's just, you want to oh speak about goodness. that? It's oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
1: It's, 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 Absolutely fascinating. And what ends up happening, um, you quickly begin to realize that you have to become a student of history in order to understand how people may or may have responded the way they responded during that particular time frame. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody sits in a nice, comfortable chair in a nice, warm room, and they say, there's no way that I would have been a slave, that there's no way... I would have this and I would have that. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you don't know. And the bottom line is enslavement happened. People were enslaved and they looked primarily like you and I, Mm -hmm. and we were definitely abused. Some folks were treated really well, mm-hmm. and it spans the gamut, right? And I'll tell you what I know for a fact: the more you find out, once I put all of those names on that piece of paper on that—well, uh, uh, it was actually cardboard. I will say cardboard. Once I put all those names on that cardboard, mm-hmm. then I started thinking. Well, what in the world was going on when these people were alive in this area? Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly that would have had to have had an effect on them.
0: Right, right.
1: And how were they able to get around? So now I got to understand how folks actually moved around at that time. Mm -hmm. Now I got to understand politically what was going on at that time. Right. And as it turns out, my father's people, Noah Jones Mingo, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: decided that he was going to go one route. And my mother's people, the Browns, decided that he wasn't going to go. One stayed in Kershaw County mm-hmm. and another one followed the Union Army when the Union Army came through. Wow. Noah Jones Mingo raised his hand and enlisted in the one thirty fifth United States Colored Troops in wanna say March of eighteen sixty five. Um and he did that in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Now, why did he do that? Chances are he was a field hand. And as a field hand, quickly realized that when slavery is over, the land that you're working isn't yours. Um, you got to provide food for your family. Um, you got to figure out, are you going to get some kind of money coming in, period? well, here's this 60,000 man army coming through the city of Columbia and either the Confederates burnt it to the ground or the Union Army burnt it to the ground. But the bottom line is Columbia was burnt to the ground. Uh, And it was probably a combination of both of those. Wow. uh, Fires being set so that so that cotton and and grain stores and uh, all kinds of things wouldn't fall into Union Army hands and Mm -hmm. uh, drunkard and disorderly troops and a pretty soft uh, command structure to keep them under control. And uh, you had all of that going on in this town. Wow. You had people running all over the place, running all over the place. Mm -hmm. Story on my maternal side. Buried wagon of silver and household valuables somewhere on the 500 acres of land. That was a part of the story. I'm like, come on. Get out of here. Why would somebody do that? Mm -hmm. So I had to become a student of history. What happened in this area when that army came through? They burnt. They loaded their wagons with all that they could carry. They ate all that they could eat from out of people's food stores. They burnt whatever they couldn't carry. They killed livestock Mm -hmm. so that that livestock could not be used by uh, uh, the Confederates or to support the Confederate cause. Mm -hmm. So it was complete devastation. People running out of the way of this thing. Mm -hmm. It fits. Noah decided that he was going to support the Union cause. Reese Brown, on the 1870 census, on my maternal side, Mm -hmm. decided that they were living good. As the story goes, the Browns, I'll say Mr. Brown, left Columbia Mm -hmm. and left valuables in a wagon and said that that was to be buried somewhere on the property. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can touch story after story after story that uh, WPA program that uh, uh, Roosevelt, President Roosevelt, initiated in the thirties, nineteen thirty some odd. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to say nineteen thirty six, but whenever it was, he had a workforce go out and interview. Uh, enslaved people Mm -hmm. to get their stories, to capture their stories.
0: Okay, that sounds interesting. Story after
1: story. Story after story. Um, Complete devastation. Everything was total. Mm -hmm. Nobody had any food. People were starving. All the men were gone. Only the old men were around. And, and you know, the sick, lame, and I won't say lazy, because if you were lazy, you went in somewhere. Yeah. But,
0: you but make it sick,
2: too far.
1: <laughs> right. The the old and the sick, men-wise, were the only, and the young boys were the only ones that were around um, uh, supporting uh, the homestead in uh, South Carolina, for the most part. Mm-hmm. So the area was in complete shambles when these guys came through. Mm -hmm. And that's what Sherman wanted to happen. He didn't want to leave one iota of anything that could be used against the Union soldiers or to support the rebel cause. And as ruthless as the plan was, uh-huh. it was extremely, extremely effective hmm. because you got mothers, grandmothers, children um, trying to figure out what they're going to eat. And that definitely, that definitely uh, was a sore spot. Well, and it definitely hastened, hastened the, the war.
0: And I think something that, you know, what you just said brings into context is understanding the context, not just the research that you're doing about your family, but understanding what their experiences are and what the context was that they lived in. And and that's, that's really important for us to understand. And again, you know, you've been, So uh, helpful in breaking some of these complex um, Concepts down and giving us some good Ideas of what it looks like when you Dig deep into your family And how that knowledge really becomes helpful to you In the long term so what I want to do Is I just want to say thank you one more time For coming on the show really appreciate it Can you let the listeners know where they can find you on social media?
1: You could find me in J Mingo, eighteen sixty five. Noah Jones Mingo, eighteen sixty five. In J Mingo,
0: eighteen sixty five. On I'm sorry. On what platform?
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we want them to actually find you. <laughs>
1: uh, Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. On, on Instagram. Yeah, so
0: that's NJ Mingo 1865 uh, on Instagram. And you and everybody, you can also go to the guest section of my website, lifecombos.com. That's L-I-F-E-C-O-N-V-O-S scom Go to the guest section and you can link up with David from there. So as we conclude this episode, you know, I just wanna emphasize that Research our families is a chance for us to start recording history in a way that's meaningful for us. We often talk about what the history that's not out there. Why don't we create history and, and create it in a way where it means something for us? So what I want you to do is get out there, grab a journal, a notebook or a laptop and start recording your family stories, names, places, events. Any information you get can shed a lot of life on who on how you came to be. And who knows, maybe you'll find something really cool and inspirational in the stories you uncover. Thank you for tuning in to the Convos with Anita Santiago podcast. Again, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can reach out to me at convoscws at gmail.com. And also, if you want to know more about our guest speakers, just go to the lifeconvos.com website and click on guests.